Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now radio check. Now radio check for order. And power is to go. 50,000 watts. Oh, that sound is beautiful. This is Bradley J on Air Control. Affirmative, I read you. What are you talking about? This conversation can serve purpose. You're Jay talking on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. How do you do? Hope you had a um, a good weekend. And I hope you, during Memorial Day, actually thought about the veterans and folks who gave their lives. Now, uh, as you know, I'm a big walker and I like history. I think you're on the same page with at least half of that. I know you like the history. Walk by Old South Church. A lot, and don't know the history of Old South Church. Not Meeting House, but Church on Boylston Street. And so, did a little rooting around, as my mother would say, and we found Evan Shue, who is the Old South Church historian, and is a retired architect, and has the time to be with us. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Evan Thanks Sh- for inviting me. Evan Shue. So, first, how do you like retirement? And uh, actually, I spoke to you. I know you like it. <laughs> What's the secret? Because some people like it and some people don't. Well, I think the secret is just staying busy and keeping your mind occupied. And I feel like as soon as the space opened up for me, it got filled up with uh, all this history stuff with Old South Church. Good. And you've been a member of the church for a long time? Uh, Yeah, I've actually attended for 40 years. I didn't join until 10 years later, so I'm only a 30-year member. But I've held a number number of positions there and... The latest one is historian at the church. And there's an elected position? It's a uh, lay position. It's elected by the congregation along with, you know, the deacons and the moderator. and the. Did you run for it? Did you Uh, campaign? There's a nominating committee that that picks people. Okay. And you're an architect. Are you also sort of a historian? Well, I've become one. Before? Certainly, uh, I think I um, uh, edited the church newsletter for— 25 years, okay. so I picked up a lot of history through that. And this is a congregational church? Yes, congregational. Now, later on, I'm going to ask you about—I con- try to understand all yes, the it's denominations, so we'll pick your brain on that a little bit. But now, I've always been—well, actually, I haven't always been confused. I only became confused when I started looking into it. The, uh, the relationship between the Old South— church and the old self meeting house people conflate those uh, oh, I, myself course. included yes, because they have the same name but actually the old south meeting house was our second home we've had three homes over the years the cedar meeting house which stood on the same plot where the old south meeting house is now that's milk and washington milk and washington which is now a museum um 
although we do worship there once a year around Thanksgiving. And then in 1875, we, uh, the church decided to move to the fashionable Back Bay, which was just being filled uh, as part of the Charles River Basin. It was being landfilled. Now you say the church decided to move. Is it everyone decided to move, or was there a breakaway from the congregation that decided to move, and some people stayed at the meeting house, and some people no, moved, it was, or everyone moved? Everyone moved at that point. At what year? Uh, 1875. So what was they used the old meeting house for at 1875? Well, uh, that became uh, an argument for a while. Uh, it was used as the United States Post Office. Uh, eventually, it got restored and became uh, the museum that it is. The land around it, uh, the church uh, subdivided. There are stores built on it. The Old South Building, which is an 18-story office building, was built next to the oh, Old South Building. So House. for a long time, it wasn't all crowded around it like it was. It had some open space around it. Uh, of course, back, back then, but it yeah. it one of the reasons the church decided to move to the back bay was because it became very uh, noisy and imagine all the cobblestone streets and and horse and buggies and and the hubbub of um, business uh, in that downtown area. It became very noisy. Uh, preachers complained and congregation complained they couldn't hear the preacher because of all the noise from the outside. Okay. And so you moved to Boylston Street. And back then, it was one of the first buildings in the Back Bay because it had just been filled in, correct? Correct, yes. There's a map that shows when the church uh, first acquired land, the water line actually came up to, like, Exeter Street. So it was waterfront property at the time. But the... uh, Boston Public Library was be- being built there. Uh, Old South Church was built on the corner. Uh, there was no Copley Square as we know it now. Yeah. It was just grassy, empty um, land that was being subdivided um, for what was considered the suburbs back then. Okay. So do me a favor, if you can, and plug the debate over the baptism debate into the time and the move so I can try to, now I've got the move in my mind and the time <laughs> there was also a debate over uh, who should be baptized and uh, there was a sort of a breakaway group there was a division a schism if you will yes when was that in relation to the move of the church okay that actually was 200 years before the move to the back bay okay remember that old south was uh, established in 1669. So it was a full 100 years before the American Revolution. At the time Boston was settled, it was settled by the Puritans, who eventually became what we know as uh, the Congregationalists, one of the mainline Protestant groups. But First Church was located in the center of Boston, and it... First Church was just straight-up Puritans. Well, they were, everybody was Congregationalists, or what we think of as Congregationalists. They were Puritans. It was a theocracy back then. In order to be a part of decision-making and government, you had to be a member of the church. The government was kind of a theocracy. Yes, it definitely was. And so uh, back then, First Church had this policy that only those with genuine certified conversion experiences 
you know, what we call today born again, were allowed to be baptized. And so as families developed in this new Boston town, they naturally wanted their children, their babies, their children to be baptized. But First Church had this policy, no, they couldn't be baptized until they had a conversion experience that was certified by whatever church body. Uh, and so as a result, a lot of uh, families uh, found that their, mem- their children were not being baptized. So for, when you say First Church, does that mean the building or the people? The, ch- the first recognized church in Boston was called First Church. Both the, uh, the building and the people? Both the building and the okay. people. Yep. And then, you know, Second Church came out of a natural expansion to the north. Uh, we know it now as Old North Church, but it, they've since merged and moved and so forth. Uh, the Why was there a second church? There just too many people, uh, ex- or was there a difference people. in opinion? It was That was pure expansion. Okay. They needed space. Uh, second church um, just means another church. Yes, but that's how they were called, first church, okay. second church. And then when um, 28 dissenters from first church argued that, no, we should be able to baptize our children. Uh, And so they petitioned First Church to be released to create their own church that would allow baptism of their children. And so there was two groups now. They didn't all... Well, at that point, Some people stuck with that you need to have a transformative experience. Other people said, yeah, don't. So there's these two belief systems operating simultaneously. Well, I wouldn't say simultaneously because at this point, the 28 who were considered dissenters were basically ostracized. They were said, you, you, you know, if you don't agree with us, you, uh, we're not going to let you go and, and you can't. Uh, so basically, just no, you. you can't leave yes. and we don't buy what you're exactly. selling. So forget about it. Okay, when these dissenters part of the move to go to the third church? They petitioned, there were actually two church councils in which they petitioned to be released to form a new church that would be based on this new ability to baptize children. And um, uh, the first two councils said no. They kept petitioning. It finally went to a council of the magistrates. Being a theocracy, the civil magistrates also had to approve a new church. And finally... Uh, they agreed by a vote of eight to six with the governor being against it uh, to allow this third church to form uh, of these 28 dissenters, who, by the way, at that point were all men. Had to be pretty expensive. I mean, look at the thing. Who paid for it? Who paid for what? The new church. Well, um, are you talking about the Back Bay Church or the— The Back uh, Bay. Oh, well, the, the, back, the Back Bay Church, by that point— uh, what became uh, Old South Church. It was first called South Church, and then when another church became established in the south part of what was considered Boston, then, then we became Old South Church. And then in 1875, when the church moved to the Back Bay, we were for a while called the New Old South Church. Okay, who paid for the New <laughs> Old South Church? Well, it, it uh, actually, the property around um, the Old South Meeting House was subdivided. There were stores developed on it. There was 
uh, eventually an 18-story office building. So they collected rents and leases, and there was a group called the Old South Society that provided much of the financing for the uh, church itself. And who's, who, who made up the Old South Society? <laughs> well, that's, that's a, a tricky question because, uh, because of the way the deed, Mary Norton's deed, was uh, written, uh, it was deeded directly to 10 of the dissenters. So they became the Old South Society plus people who were considered pew proprietors. Back then, you could pay a lease or pay rent to buy a pew. Right. And so you, by buying a pew, you became part of the Old South Society. You can really see that in the museum church. Yes, because there are actual boxes with little doors. With little plaques of names on Yes, exactly. And many New England churches operated that way, where uh, uh, there were pew boxes where families uh, paid rents or leases or outright owned. And those were passed down through family that is so legacy, cool. through wills and so forth. Really? Oh, that's transferable. There are so many firsts at this church that we might as well get started on them and probably take up the bulk of our remaining time. You ready, Evan? <laughs> sure. All right. We'll start way back, 1640. First published book in the Americas yes, that's was right. associated with this. Yeah, the Bay Psalm book. It was basically a book of psalms that were chanted uh, as chanted? part of the worship service. Well, Not just they, spoken, they, like in the chant? Well, they were, uh, it, it was the beginnings of choral music. Okay. They didn't. Being Puritans, they <laughs> didn't allow musical instruments. Oh. So they might allow some chanting. They might allow some uh, what's considered uh, uh, Somewhere shape Somewhere between talking singing. and singing. Yes, okay. yes exactly. But uh. the, the Bay Psalm book was a collection of psalms that could be uh, chanted or, or uh, sung in that early fashion. Which is prevented by King James from publishing their own materials in Europe. The Pilgrims set up at present Cambridge, this Basin book of right. which you speak, and uh, they only printed up, well, no, actually, there are only 11 left. Surviving know copies, of. yes. And you have one of them at your church. Yes. And you used we, to have two. We used to have two, but- uh, You needed 14 million bucks. <laughs> yeah, we uh, decided that it was worthwhile to sell one in order to uh, both expand our ministry as well as pay for some very- needed upkeep of the building you know as a, this is a uh, historic building it's um, that needs a lot of upkeep yeah. and we had a lot of deferred maintenance that a lot of projects that needed to be uh, paid for that would make it the most expensive book ever the Besson book at the time it was sold uh, uh, in 2013 I think 14.2 million it sold at Sotheby's auction to uh, I, I can't remember but a, a some billionaire Just bought a rich it for guy. his collection. Yeah. Would you ever sell the other one? I, I'm sure would, you've rolled that around in your head. No, I, I think part of the willingness of the congregation to sell the second one was the first one was in better shape, and it felt like that was a uh, trade-off that we were willing to make. You say, you say that now, but if the rain starts leaking through the roof... And you have this book, and you think, oh, you, well, might, that, cha you that, might change your mind. That almost happened in 1990 when we had a huge 
economic depression, uh, the church's um, uh, real estate holdings all went into the tank. We had to cut our budget by 60%. There was a lot of serious talk of, of selling the Bay Psalm book then for what was estimated to be $5 million to save the church's hide. And uh, people stepped in and said, no, uh, that's, that's going to be a last resort. We're not going to sell our assets out of weakness. We're going to um, see if we can get yeah. out of this fix without doing so. So that thing's kind of like money in the bank. Also, another first. First, a medical tract. A tract is like a poster, uh, a handbill or a, a big handbill banged up on Broadside on a wall. Yeah. Up, yeah. Uh, it's the first medical PSA, if you will. Yeah. To, wh what was that about? Well, our uh, first minister happened to also be a medical doctor. And at the time, uh, um, 1676, we were having a, uh, the Boston was having an outbreak of measles and smallpox. It's interesting given the current outbreak of measles today. But uh, this was a, a broadside that, that talked about hygienic uh, practices, how to um, keep the infected people separate from others, and, and general uh, rules to, uh, to help keep the general population healthy. I'm only saying this partly in jest. Did it tell people to get vaccinated? <laughs> I don't think they had vaccinations back then. There was Not quite some then, talk of bloodletting back then. But uh, Benjamin Franklin and Cotton Mather debated over smallpox vaccination. So vaccination. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, another. And, and Ben Franklin was against it. He yes. was the scientist. Well, did you know Ben Franklin was baptized at Old South Church? I did not know that, yes. but I'm not surprised. <laughs> 1706, he lived across the street from the Old South Meeting House. And the story goes, as a baby, he was rather sickly. They weren't quite sure if he was going to make it. So they wanted to have him baptized as quickly as possible. Now, if they were still members of the First Church, they wouldn't have been able to baptize him. But they ran him across the street to the Old South Meeting House and Anecdotally, the story goes that the minister had to chip out the ice in the baptismal font to allow Ben Franklin to be baptized. I believe it. And the first anti-slavery poster, if you will, yes. 1700. And it's interesting to note that all this happens when Boston is still England. It was Boston, comma, England at the time. Yes. For 150 or so years, it was England. And it's people forget that. Yeah, it was... Uh, uh, Samuel Sewell, who was one of the uh, important judges of the colonies in that time, he was also a judge over the witch trials, which uh, was also a big uh, um, uh, controversy back then, obviously. Um, and he wrote the first anti-slavery track based on biblical readings. He came out with a uh, uh, paper... Um, what was it called? It was called the uh, Selling of Joseph. Selling of Joseph, and uh, came out strongly against slavery. And this, this uh, progressive uh, stance at this point carried through Old South history. At one point, we had the most enslaved members attending Old South Church. They would come to our church because they felt welcome there. First Anglo-American newspaper, which is interesting because. In 1704, it wasn't American yet. Yes, it was. It wasn't the United States. I don't know. Did they call yes. these the Americas at the time? Uh, they might have called them Americas, but 
they certainly. Oh, do they call it the colonies? Yeah, that's an interesting problem there. First, yeah. Anglo-American newspaper, but the name was the Boston newspaper. Boston so they newspaper. certainly called it Boston, which is, uh, I believe, named after a, a uh, town in England. Right? There's a for a time, I believe we were New Boston. New Boston. Yeah. And this was published all the way till 1776, so it lasted 72 years. First, I was I was asking about fishing. <laughs> Find out about the first fishing literature. Came out of Old South Church in Boston. I, I was just mentioning fishing. He says, funny thing, uh, we have a first regarding our church and fishing. So tell us about that. <laughs> don't you remember I told you, don't ask me about that? Oh, well, uh, I forgot. That is one of our uh, firsts is that one of our uh, ministers, Reverend Joseph Seacombe, uh, actually in his sermon published the first what's considered angling art literature, which he talked about. His sermon was on recreation, recreational fishing and, and how such diversions are inoffensive to God, which basically said, oh, it's okay, you can fish, and, and God won't be upset. Who, decided, who decides what's inoffensive to God just, you know, at the time? Who was deciding that? Well, a, a tribunal? At this point, it was this minister who was interpreting, I think he was using biblical verses to say that God appreciates... Uh, Fishing. Fish, or the need for recreation, well, certainly. Well, didn't, uh, you know, there was the, the you had just a few fish and had to feed a bunch of people. And yeah. so, you, yeah. oh, that was loaves. Was it fish and loaves? No, it was fish and loaves. He took So how are you going to get fish. the fish if you don't yeah, go fishing? Yeah, exactly. And right. Jesus helped the uh, disciples catch a boatload of fish. That's right. Than that. yeah. He was a fisher of men. Yes, exactly. All as right. well as fish. First published African-American, oh, Phyllis Wheatley. Yes. Oh, uh, Phyllis she was, Wheatley. She's from your church. Yeah. Uh, she was uh, a slave. Uh, she got her name Phyllis because she came over on a slave ship named Phyllis. She was owned by the Wheatley family. And interestingly enough, they worshipped at a different church, but Phyllis chose to come to Old South Church to worship because she felt more welcomed there. And she became very famous as the first African-American published poet. Uh, Tell the story about her not being believed in England. Oh, yeah. She had to undergo so many tribunals, both in England and in America. Thomas Jefferson was somebody who adamantly refused to believe that Phyllis Wheatley could have written this wonderful Because she poetry. was not white. Exactly. Because so, she was a slave or because she was not white? Or both? Both. Okay. And so she went to England because she had trouble getting things published here. Uh, in England, she became the celebrity because... People would flock to hear her speak, and she had to undergo various tribunals there to be convinced that she actually wrote the poetry. And she got her books, her first uh, book of poetry published in England. It came over on, interestingly enough, the same boat that brought the tea over that uh, uh, the famous Boston Tea Party, which was also organized at the Old South Meeting House, where the so-called Indians from the meeting house, went down to the ship and threw over the boxes of tea, but they knew enough to leave Phyllis Wheatley's boxes of books alone. Same year. First time no tax on tea is heard. That's your church, only that's yep. not, not the one on Back Bay. That's the, well, that was, that's the middle this version. Is the, this was our Cedar second church. home, yeah. the Old South, what was called the Old South Meeting House. Which is now the museum. Which is now a museum. That's yeah. pretty interesting to me. I mean, that building, that's, this actually happened there. Yeah, I that's mean, pretty, the British that's were... That's sick, is the, 
in the parlance of our times. Man, that's something. You go in there and this, the, it actually happened there. Yeah. And that's so cool. What's, what's also interesting, the British were so angry that this tea party was organized at Old South. They went in, ripped out all the pew boxes, turned it into a riding academy, and they rode their horses around inside our uh, sanctuary. And uh, that that was uh, very so that offensive was, to our church at the point at the time. Okay, was that did that happen right then? Oh, like right, right after? right after. Yeah, that was part so of was, the whole tea British party, occupied. the uprising, the no okay. tax on tea. You know that uh, that okay. was part of the whole controversy. So the war hadn't started yet. They no, but it was up. it was coming. I thought that it was during the war that the British did that writing, used it as a barn, but it, it was it was just during the occupation. Yeah, right, well, it was, right in 1773, it was starting obviously. 1773 okay. on, yeah. All right, I'm, I'm glad that got cleared up in my mind. And you had the first singing teacher there? Well, William Billings is... Bill Billings. Off, <laughs> I don't think anybody calls him Bill Billings, but uh, uh, he was often considered the father of choral music, uh, and uh, he started teaching music at Old South Church, and uh, he wrote uh, hundreds of hymns that uh, are still, many of them which are still with us today. First Japanese ordained ah. to Christian ministry. Yes, 1875. So that's the year, is that the year you switched uh, uh, locations? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that's a fascinating story because um, we call him Nisima Joe, but his actual Japanese name is Niijima Joe Shimeta. But he stowed away on a boat when he was only 21, which came to Boston. The boat uh, was called the Wild Rover. It was owned by Old South members. And they kind of took pity on him and said, oh, this is a bright kid. Let's uh, take him under our wing. And they paid for his education. Uh, he became the first... Japanese person to receive a uh, college degree in the West, and then he also became the first ordained minister uh, from Amherst, uh, yeah, Andover Theological School. And later he went back to Japan, and he founded Doshisha University, which was the first private university in Japan. And they still send hundreds of of uh, students to us every year to to see where Nisima Joe was uh, had his uh, theological education in in America. We're with Evan Shu S H U. That's how you spell Evan's last name. In case you want to look him up, Old <laughs> South Church historian, going through the the firsts number of firsts that took place at the Old South Church, and Nisima Joe that was 1875, and then you leap forward it's funny it seems in in some ways like a big leap but it's really only one lifetime from 1875 to 1954 but well, we'd like to the to, first uh, declaration of racism as a sin that's it, interesting yeah we'd like to uh divide our timeline up in what we call generations a lot of historians and genealogists take 30-year chunks and say, oh, this is a generation, that is a generation. So we developed a timeline of these events in Old South history and divided them, divided them up into 12 different generations. So 
when you say 50 years, that's, that's almost two generations of time. So this first declaration of racism as a sin was 1954. And that was at a meeting of, at the Old South Church. Talk about that a bit. Yeah, the National Council of Churches came together and had a big meeting. And I think, you know, they've been dancing around the issue, probably, like uh, much of American culture did at the time. And But they said, you know, we've got to come out strong on this. That, you know, it goes back to, to uh, Samuel Sewell's anti-slavery tract way back in uh, 16-whatever that slavery is wrong and racism is wrong. And so it took until 1954 for the whole National Council of Churches to come together and say, you know, we believe this racism is a sin. It mentions the first inclusive language hymnal. That's, just, that's modern history. That's 1995. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's that? What is a inclusive language hymnal? Well, this this was a important project uh, uh, for it, our church is now a member of what's called the UCC, the United uh, Church of Christ. The Congregationalists were one of the big parts of that, and uh, in the um, in the nineties, it it became uh, apparent that a lot of our biblical language and hymn language uh, was hurtful to people um, by only referring to God using the male gender, father and thou and so forth. Really? And so they you had to strike to, father from everything? Not everything, but, you know, enough to make make it clear that, that for those people who um, have a a tough time with the father image, especially if they've been abused and so forth, that they would have trouble coming to worship a God who reminded them of their father. Uh, this would give them an opening to understand God in a broader sense. Broader like as a woman or broader like yes. as not a human, as not in a human form? Well, we use many genders. We uh, sometimes refer to God as she as well as he. Uh, an interesting story along with that is uh, for quite a few years, our church had a theater group called Taos Theater at Old South, and we put on a, a, the musical, the well-known musical Godspell. And uh, our director, uh, Marcus Walker, decided that he was going to cast Jesus as a woman, as a female. And um, so... This was a, a very popular musical. We had standing room only audiences, but a couple of evangelical church groups came, and as soon as the leaders took a look at the program and said, "Oh, Jesus is playing, being played by the female," they had all their students w- stand up and walk out of the theater. Uh, at that time, we had standing room only, so we were only too happy to fill their seats. But uh, still, it was an interesting. Uh, yeah. Time even at that point in 1990, um, uh, many churches and church groups had a problem with that imagery. So, just as an observer, I don't really have a dog in the race. In the Bible, it says, "In that God made man in His image." How do you get around that? Well, it's 
I'm not a theologian, so you, I, I'm you, sure. But you, you go to church a lot, and you think yeah. about it. So well, what do you think? I, I don't We're all have, many theologians. Sure. Uh, well, I'm sure there are many ways to interpret the um, gender um, uh, interpretations of biblical literature. I've heard biblical scholars argue that, that what we call his— in the King James Bible is not really his. What is their argument? Back. Well, the argument is that the uh, original language is more broad than that. It's not necessarily only male. So what word would they have in the original language that they could replace it with? Well, I, I think our point of view is that if you use a, a multiple number of uh, genders, that you don't relegate it only to being his. Okay. So if, let's say... This is kind of theological discussion, but just... Yes, I told you I'm not a theologian. I know, but you're, you go to church. I do. I listen so to the sermons sometimes. if God made humans in... in I, I can't say his, but it has to be either a, a, a male or female if we're made... If he made us in... We made in his image, I guess. You you don't have a lot of choices. And why is I don't see why it's necessary to be vague about that. Just can't you just pick one? Well, I mean, it's the same discussion we're going through now with the whole LGBT yeah, so gender identity. A lot of gray areas. I mean, so I mean, if you say that God made people in his image, it it uh It should say God made people in God's image. Yes, get and, and it, it makes people feel like there's something wrong with them if they don't fit into these neat categories that many churches say you have to belong right. in. Let's take a break. Here and finish up, we have about 10 more minutes with our guest Evan Shu, Old South Church historian on WBZ. Jay talking, Bradley Jay. Hey, Bradley Jay. WBZ News Radio 10:30. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Okay, talk. Jay talking with Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 1030. Let's continue with Evan Chu, Old South Church historian. By the way, if you're listening to this on the podcast, know that we're live. Sunday night through Thursday night on WBZ, midnight to five. If you're listening live, know that 
this will be podcast. All our best guests are podcasts. So you can, if you didn't hear the whole thing, you can hear the whole thing or you can share it. Whatever you like. It's very easy to share. So, Evan Chu, old South Church historian. We talked about history, but your church remains relevant and active and on the forefront of things going on currently. For example, same-sex marriage. That's right, yeah. Uh, the famous Goodrich decision that opened up uh, equal marriage to Massachusetts residents was uh, brought by, the suit was brought by seven couples, one of which were an Old South couple. Our church performed the first Christian ceremony um, of equal marriage in, uh, I think, 2004. Um, so we've always, if there's, if there's a, th a theme that I think a, a vision and mission that runs through the history of Old South Church, and, and that's that we've always been progressive and at the forefront of trying to open our doors wider to uh, as many people and groups as possible. Going back a little bit, uh, you uh, had a role in the busing crisis. Yes, our, our senior minister, uh, Jim Crawford, uh, who has a very imposing presence because he's like six foot eight, <laughs> but uh, he took it upon himself to ride on the buses with the school children who were being bused to segregate uh, uh, the various schools in Boston. That was, you know, there were horrible riots and and controversies, but he rode on those buses with the students to try to calm the waters and, and uh, keep the peace. It was a very courageous thing for him to do at the time. So you do a blessing of the athletes? Yes, that was, uh, so they have we to were go the to first church. church. <laughs> they, they have to go to church, but in that case, they are more than happy to, because this is the Sunday before the marathon, and they're all feeling like they could keep need all the help they can get. So we have two services, 9 and 11, and they are jam-packed with runners. And th this was kind of a uh, poignant um, uh, service because in 2013, of course, we had the horrible marathon bombing, bombing that uh, um, caused such havoc, and that was just a couple hundred feet from our church front doors. We call ourselves the Church of the Finish Line. But uh, two of our members took it upon themselves to start a movement to knit scarves for the runners who would come back the following year. And this became a worldwide viral effort that we, we got scarves by the truckloads coming in every day. And I think the final total was something like 7,400 scarves that the following year at the 2014 Blessing of the Athletes, we gave those scarves to the uh, runners who came back and had the courage to run the following year. Okay, and you have things going on currently. About 60 seconds to ask you about the <clears throat> Connections Lunch. The Connections Lunch? Yep. Oh, it says it's on your little flyer here. <laughs> I think that's that's a, uh, uh, I think that I'll, was I'll, a current I'll, event I'll, item. Why don't you read what it join says? Join them on their spiritual <laughs> journey and help continue their streak of first. Check out their website at oldsouthchurch.org. Uh, to, or attend a Connections lunch on uh, June 2nd. All right, so that's good. Yeah, that's that's for people who are interested in uh, a, becoming members of Old South Church. They can attend one of these lunches. You know, our church, being right at Copley Square, a usual congregation is at least one-third 
visitors and church hoppers who are just trying to get a feel for the church. I've never been. To, can you believe it? I've been in this town forever, and I've never been in that church. I've walked by it hundreds of times. Never poked my head in. What an idiot I am. Well, now you have more reason to come in because we have some gorgeous uh, 350th anniversary exhibits up that will cover a lot of the ground that we talked about here and and many other events that we missed talking about. You know, I'm such a, this is shameful. I'll go I'll, thousands of miles and go to churches in other cities, and I haven't even been to your church. Well, I'll fix that soon. Good. Thank you very much, Evan Shue, uh, Old South Thank Church you, Bradley. historian. Good to make your acquaintance. And that's, I, I feel like we're going to meet again. Well, that would be fine. All right. Thank you. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.